you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. tonight. Brother Corey, I already know I'm going to need a little more monitor up here. Boy, chemo stole my voice. Stripped my vocal cords. My voice is weak. But a good thing is that my spirit is strong. Aren't you glad that the Lord is the strength of our life? He's the lifter of our heads. He's everything that we need. Amen. So I got to thinking. Now everyone's got to scoot up here by me. So Sister Cheryl has her choir. Did they not do a phenomenal job tonight? We've got the best of the best. And every once in a while, pastor has a pastor's choir. When the kids come up and sing, we haven't done that in a long time, pastor. Whoo. We need, to, we need to resurrect the pastor's choir, don't we, kids? Hello, children. Don't you want pastor to resurrect the pastor's choir? But then I got to feeling a little left out. Because I realized I don't have a Mama J choir. So I decided tonight I was going to create me a Mama J choir. What you think about that? We're going to take it a little old school tonight. Some of these songs you may know. If not, I think they're going to get us the words behind us. But we're going to give the Lord a shout of praise. And if you haven't danced in a while... This is your chance. There shall be light in the evening time. The path to glory you will surely find. Through the waterway, it is the way today. Baptized in Jesus' name. Young and old, repent of all your sins. And the Holy Ghost will enter. 
for a minute. Come on. How many of you know that there is one Lord? One Lord. One Lord. Hallelujah. One way. One, one, one. One way to God. One, one, one. One way to God. One, one, one. One way. It's real simple, sing it. One, 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 one way to God. One, 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 one way to God. One, 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 one way to God. Baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, there's one, 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 one way to God. One, 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 one way to God. One, 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 one way to God, baptized in Jesus' name. Let me hear you. One, 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 one way to God. One, 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 one way to God. One, 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 one way to God, baptized in Jesus' name. Now we're taking it old school, as you can tell. But I'm just wondering in this house, are there any Pentecostals that have a made up mind? It doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what happens. You're determined that you're gonna make it. Oh, I am determined to hold out till the end. Jesus is with me, on him I can depend. I know I have salvation or I feel it in my soul. chosen to come out tonight. I was 
going to tell Sister Gonzalez, go ahead and grab your microphone. I told her she was going to be interpreting for me. And she said if I was serious, she was going to make herself sick and go home. We are very, very happy to have Sister Gonzalez with us this weekend and next weekend. I just love the family of God. I love the church. Mama Jay's got the microphone. I love the church. Oh, that sounds so much better. <laughs> God is good. I'm going to take your attention to the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter. And we're going to begin in the 16th verse. Of course, this is a very familiar passage of scripture across all denominations. This passage, of course, is known as the Great Commission. But we're going to delve into it and see what the Lord has. I know of a surety that the Lord spoke to me and gave me a word for this church. Last Monday night, I believe it was, we were um, in staff meeting. Pastor was down in southern Indiana um, for Indiana District Board meetings. And uh, we were talking about Easter weekend coming up and and all of the plans, and we've got some incredible plans going to be happening. And somebody uh, brought up to Pastor Dylan and said, what is the plan for outreach and evangelism? And in that, the course of that conversation, the Lord dropped a word really heavy in my heart. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there was a time, one time, that Pastor Danny invited himself to preach, scheduled himself to preach. Remember that? Well, I'm just going to be honest with you that I told pastor, I said, I have a word from the Lord and I need to schedule myself in because I know that the Lord has spoken and I know that he has a word for us tonight. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We're going to stop right there. And I don't want that portion of scripture to confuse anybody. Don't let it confuse you because Jesus asked these same 12 disciples in John the 14th chapter, how is it that I've been with you all this time that you don't know who I am? I and my father are. And when the work of Calvary was completed and fulfilled, those same disciples went to the multitude and showed them the way to be saved in the Acts, the second chapter. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. So it's all fulfilled. Picking up in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I want to go back up to that portion of scripture. I want everyone to say, go. I want you to say, go ye. And I want you to say, that means me. Tonight, I'm going to be preaching to you from this subject, 
the pursuit of souls with the heart of God. The pursuit of souls with the heart of God. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands. We're going to pray that the Lord would have his perfect work in this place. God, we submit to you. We honor you. We've honored you with our worship and our praise. God, we ask, Lord, that you would anoint your word. God, that you would anoint your servant. Open our hearts and our minds to receive from you. And we're going to give you praise in advance for what you are about to do. You're worthy of all the praise. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Clap your hands to the Lord. You may be seated. I would contend tonight to say that the church is living in the best times for revival. There is without a shadow of a doubt that we are nearing the end. But the word of God promised that there was a great harvest to be had in these times. I would not have wanted to have been in any other times in the church but today, I want to be a part of what God has. I want to be a part of the revival that he has for the church. Anybody else feel that same way? You want to be a part of the revival. But the times that we are living in, there, there is no doubt that, that the coming of the Lord is very soon. I am not one that follows the news very closely. My husband gets on to me. Often he'll say, well, you know, you know this and such. And no, I don't. And he'll say, why don't you watch the news? Why don't you keep up with the times? I, I'm not really good about doing that. But here recently, I can't help but be drawn to what is happening in our world. Yesterday, NATO released the fact that Russia has now poised itself with enough force to invade from the east to the west, across the Ukraine, into the region of Moldova, which is, uh, as many of you may know your history, would be the former Soviet Union. It has positioned itself to be able to uh, invade across into yet another country. Our world is living in the most volatile times that we have seen in my lifetime. It is volatile and uncertain times. To anybody that is watching, it is apparent that should things continue as they are, things could escalate very quickly and we could be entering the third world war. But of course we know that when we hear of wars of, and rumors of wars, what are we to do? We're to look up because our redemption draws nigh. It is definitely the last days. To mainstream the move by Vladimir Putin on February 24th was shocking and unexpected. But intelligence agencies had been warning world leaders for some time of the impending danger. The country of Ukraine has suffered continuous devastating attacks. Russians have attacked from the north and the south and the west. Attacks have come by land and by sea and by air. Major cities have been destroyed. Border villages have been overtaken 
by enemy forces. Airports have been destroyed. Military bases have been captured. Major highways have been demolished. Train stations have been bombed. And bridges have been blown up, keeping the people captive in a particular area. Airstrikes have devastated hospitals and schools and civilian housing. Death tolls are rising and continue to rise. And there's no time for funerals and no time to bury the dead. And so mass graves are being dug and bodies are being placed by the hundreds, covered up because there's no time due to the attacks and the devastation. Russia is being accused of killing tens of thousands of civilians. There are satellite images of the area that show bodies of civilians just laying out in the streets. Everywhere that they look, there is destruction. Many have tried to flee to save their families. As of April the 9th, more than 4.5 million refugees have left the Ukraine to seek safety. These are women and children and elderly, all while men and even elder men have stayed behind to defend their country. Within the country, it is estimated that 6.5 million people have been displaced, many of them without electricity and without water and without heat in their wintertime. Medication is scarce. Food is scarce. The shelves are empty. Let alone somebody that would need medical attention. They have nowhere to go and nowhere to draw from. With the click of a mouse, you and I are able to access videos and photographs that bring the harsh reality of war to us on our home front and to nations who are living right now in times of peace. War may seem like a distant threat from a world far away while we sit in this building tonight. Many of us have mistaken, well, that can't come to us and come knocking on our door because Russia is halfway around the world. Let me bring this into perspective for you tonight. Did you know that the narrowest distance between mainland Russia and mainland Alaska is a mere 55 miles. The Bering Strait separates Russia and the United States by a small 2.4 miles. But tonight, 332 million Americans will lay their heads down with a false sense of security. We are living in perilous and uncertain times. There is an enemy knocking at the door, and it's not an enemy from an army of another country, but it is the enemy of our souls and the enemy of millions who do not know God in the power of the Holy Ghost. There is a revival to be had. 
souls are at stake. I want you to contemplate with me how many of the world's 7.9 billion people are lost tonight and do not know God. How many of Russia's 145 million people have never heard the gospel? How many of the 43 million Ukrainian people do not know Jesus Christ? 329 million people are within the borders of the United States. How many of them have never heard the Acts 238 message? Out of over 6.7 million individuals in the state of Indiana, how many have never walked into the doors of a oneness apostolic church? Of the counties in our region, Clinton County, Tippecanoe County, Boone County, Carroll County, Montgomery County, Tipton County, Howard County, Cass County, White County, and Miami County, over 548,000 souls need to hear the message that we hear week in and week out in this pulpit. There are nearly 16,000 souls in the city of Frankfurt. 16,000 souls in the city of Lebanon. Over 58,000 souls in the city of Kokomo. 78,000 souls in the city of Lafayette. And every one of them need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preach to them. They need to hear, repent of your sins. They need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Souls are at stake. Hallelujah. We are so spoiled. We are able to walk into the doors of this church. And most of us have been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And tonight, we'll close our Bibles, we'll pick up our things, and we'll go home and we'll lay down our heads and thank, Lord, you've been so good to me. And next Wednesday, we'll get dressed and we'll come right back and we'll hear the word of God preached. And then we'll go home. And then on Sunday, we'll come back and we'll come to Sunday school and we'll come to Sunday night all the while. There are lost souls surrounding us. We don't understand exactly how privileged we are to know the Lord in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Someone may be thinking, that is really overwhelming. You're overwhelming me with all of these numbers. I am telling you that it is an overwhelming job. These are critical times. 
There is a harvest to be had, and the coming of Jesus is very near. There are souls at stake, and CLC needs to do everything within its power to reach the lost for Jesus. I submit to you tonight that the church needs a renewed passion for the pursuit of souls. We need a renewed passion for the pursuit of souls. The pursuit of souls is not an option, but it is a commandment. Go, go ye, preach the gospel. Go and make disciples. It is the commission or the assignment of the church. We are commanded to win souls. Just as much as we obey the Ten Commandments, we should be obeying the commandment to go and to win souls and to make disciples. We are charged to share the gospel. We are instructed to spread the good news. The mission of Christian Life Church should be, and I believe that it is, to seek and to save those that are lost. Those that are hurting, those that are wounded, those that are confused, those that are addicted, those that are oppressed, those that are possessed, those that are rich, and those that are poor, those that are widowed, the young and the old, the white, the Latino, the Asian, and the black. Somebody better get with me tonight on that one. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. I hope that I'm not talking to anybody in this crowd, but I have a feeling that there's going to be some people, I would say, they're going to be sadly mistaken when they get to heaven, and not everybody in heaven looks like them. But I think it's more correct and biblical to say that if you have a problem with somebody that doesn't look like you on earth, you don't need to be worried about getting along with them in heaven because you're not going to make it. You ain't going to make it. Jesus loves everybody. And Christian Life Church should love everybody. We should make room for everybody. In fact, this is the revelation that John had about heaven. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and every kindred, and every tongue, and every people. I speak tonight a multicultural revival over Christian Life Church. I don't only speak it, I prophesy it. 
I prophesy that this church will be full of those that are white and those that are Hispanic. Come on. Those that are Asian, those that are black, whoever the Lord wills are welcome at Christian Life Church. I speak it in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give them some praise for it tonight. I hope that there comes a day at CLC when we have to translate every service into multiple languages. That's what heaven's, well, we'll have one language when we get there. But I hope there comes a day when we're having to translate, when pastor, all he can say is, the Lord said, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's what I think CLC ought to look like. I hope we have to sing every genre of song to include everybody. I don't care if we need to have maracas. We can have bongos. We can have a tambourine. We'll get my mom's accordion out. Whatever it takes. We want to include everybody. This should be everybody's home. This should be everybody's home. I'm so passionate about it. Last night I sat over at, at Dylan and Kayla's house at the bilingual potluck dinner, and guess what? I think it was just me and Brother Alex that didn't speak a lick of Spanish. He may speak more than what I do. And you know what happened? They had to interpret for me, and I loved it. I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't have a problem with that. That's not going to offend me. That's not going to cramp my style. I'm not going to throw a fit about it. I'm going to be happy about it. That's the way the church should be. That's the way the church should be. And if we're not that, we need to be that. We need to be that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Our text tells us plainly that we are to go and we are to teach all nations. And we are to disciple them. If you look in verse 20, teach them to observe. Or in other words, disciple them. I applaud our Bible studies teachers. They're doing a phenomenal job. A phenomenal job. And I want you to know that what you're doing is not in vain. And what you're doing is not a program. And it's not just extracurricular activity. You are fulfilling the commandment of God. You are teaching and you are discipling. I hope this year, instead of teaching 50 Bible studies, I hope we teach 150. I hope more of us get on board and fulfill what God is calling us to do. Hallelujah. It shouldn't be just our Bible study teachers teaching Bible studies. I know we've got teach the teacher. I haven't been through the class yet. Maybe I need to go through the class and freshen up on it. But it shouldn't be just our Bible study teachers. 
It should be the entire church body, the whole body. Shout, go ye. Now shout, that's me. Luke 14 and 23, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I want to help you with that scripture just a little bit. The highways refer to the mainstream of society where we're all comfortable, where we all don't have a problem going. But the hedges refers to crossing divides and boundaries. Places that we wouldn't normally go. People that we wouldn't normally reach out to. In other words, going to extremes. Every Sunday night in kids' prayer, we always finish with the kids. Every kid in here, stand up as fast as you can. Quick, 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 quick. Stand up. Faster than that. Man, y'all are slow. Raise your right hands. What do we say? Dear Sister Jordan, oh, that was weak. Dear Sister Jordan, I do promise I will praise, crazy praise, tonight in Jesus' name. Now, I think that the church needs to raise their hand and say, Sister Jordan, I'm going to outreach and evangelize crazy ways. I'm going to go to the extreme. I'm going to go to the highways. I'm going to go to the hedges. Nobody is off limits. I'm going to give it everything I have to win souls. We ought to be reaching to the presumable unreachable. We ought to be getting in the muck and in the mire. On Friday, I went up to Chicago. I was picking Gentry and Destiny up from the airport. They were in Midway, which is near the downtown area. And if you know that area, it's not the choicest of areas to be. But I got there. I was a little bit early, and I stopped at a gas station. And I thought, well, this looks like a decent gas station until I walked inside. And I'm looking around, and the lady behind the counter didn't have a tooth in her head. And I said, could you... Mind, would you mind to tell me where the restroom is? And she said, well, we ask that you'd be a customer if you're going to use our facilities. I said, no problem. I'm getting gas. No problem. Walked out. I was pumping gas, and I looked over, and there was a woman that was standing just right on the sidewalk, right, in, right beside where I was pumping gas, and she was tripping on drugs. I, it, it was... I don't even know how to describe what it looked like. My heart broke for her. Her whole body was twitching, and she was pacing back and forth, and she didn't even know what to do, and, and she's fumbling, and she was looking around. It almost appeared as though that she was schizophrenic. I wanted to walk over to her and say, in the name of, the name of Jesus, I rebuke that drug that you're tripping on. And I rebuke that addiction, but I didn't. And it has eaten me alive since. Why did I not? Why did I not step out and go to the extremes? Why did I not step out and go to somebody that 
most of us would never want to walk up to. It convicted me. And I thought, Lord, if you ever give me another chance, I will not pass up the opportunity to go to the ones that nobody else wants to go to and to pray for them and to care for them and to reach out to them and to minister to them because every soul counts in the kingdom of God. Every soul is valuable. And this is why we launch life groups. And this is why we launch recovery programs, Pastor. And this is why we do bus ministry, Brother Sean. This is the reason why. To reach souls. This is why every service, somebody gets behind this pulpit and says, Brother Jeremy, where are you? Raise your hand. Show everybody who you are. We want to connect you to a Bible study. This is why that every service we say, if you're a guest or you're a visitor, make your way to the back corner so that a member of our Connect team can meet you. We want to meet you. It's all about reaching souls. It's the most important thing. If we never build another building, and I hope we build 10 more, but if we never build another building, if we never move forward with a, a new van or whatever it is that we want to do, that's okay as long as we are reaching souls for the kingdom of God. It's the most important thing. The pursuit of souls cannot be a one-time phenomenon. It cannot be a one-time phenomenon. It can't be an every so often push for outreach and evangelism. But souls and the pursuit of souls must be a lifestyle and the culture of CLC. I know that I've come to you multiple times talking about creating a culture of worship and praise or creating a culture of prayer. And I, I hope by now you've gotten it and you should have that established. But tonight I'm coming to you telling you that the Lord dealt with me, that there needs to be a culture of soul winning that sweeps over this congregation like we have never had before. A true burden for the lost. A true burden for the lost. Acts 5 and 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Daily, they ceased not in the church, in their house, in the streets, in their neighborhoods, on their jobs. It was the culture of the early church. It should be the culture of today's church. 
If that's how the early church started, who are we to change it today? We should be following the precedents that the early church started. It should be the culture of the church. There is a harvest to be had for CLC, not a harvest of yesteryear and not a harvest of tomorrow, but a harvest of right now, a harvest of today, a now harvest. Someone shout, a now harvest. John 4, 35 and 36, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The harvest is there. It's ripe. It's ready. We're not waiting on the harvest. The harvest is waiting on us. We're the ones. They're ready to harvest. But where is CLC? They're ready to hear the gospel. Who's going to share it? They'll accept the Acts 2.38 message. We're not the church across the tracks anymore, people. They're waiting on us. We're privileged. But they need to hear what we know. They need to hear what we know. The harvest is ready. I pray tonight that God would give us a passion, a passion, a burning passion for souls, a passion for souls that keeps us up at night, a passion for souls that overwhelms us when we drive down our city streets. God, let us be moved with compassion for the lost. Give us a heart for those that move your heart, Lord. Help us to love souls the way that you love souls. Oh, love of God, so rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and the angels' song. God so loved the world that he gave he gave, he robed himself in flesh, he dwelt among us, he ate with sinners and saints alike, he went to the highway and to the byway, he got involved in people's lives. Who are we that we think we are better than that, that we shouldn't love souls the same way that he loved souls. God, give us a love and a passion for souls the same way that you loved souls. When you love souls like Jesus loves souls, you will pursue souls at any cost, whatever that it cost us. If it costs us our finances, so be it. 
If I remember one time our pastor asked this church the question, how much is a soul worth? If it cost us our time, I'm willing to give all of the time that I can to see soul saved. If it cost us our efforts that we would rather be placed in somebody somewhere else, God let us be willing to make the effort to see soul saved. And if it cost us our pride, then our pride needs to be thrown down anyway. If we're too prideful to go out into the muck and the mire of this world and bid them to come, we need to ask the Lord to remove our pride. Whatever that it costs, we want to see soul saved. The Lord loves souls. He had compassion for souls. Every day he went about seeking those that he could minister to. Jesus went about all the city, Matthew 9 says, in villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes and the fact that they were lost without a shepherd, he was moved with compassion. He compelled his disciples. The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. When he saw multitudes of sick, he healed them because he had compassion on them. Matthew 20 tells us why Jesus did all of these things. When it shares with us the story of the two blind men that cried out to Jesus to be healed. Jesus didn't keep just walking. He didn't say, I don't have time. I'm on a mission. I've got things to do. But he stopped and he turned and he said, what is it that you would have me do for you? I pray that when we walk soul by souls, that we don't say, I'm, I'm too busy. I got too much on my plate. I don't have time for that. But I pray that we would get compassion for them that causes us to stop and say, what is it that you would have Jesus do for you? I may not have much, but such as I have, give I to you. I want to impart it to souls. And it wasn't just the multitudes. Some of Jesus' greatest sermons were preached to one person, one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus had compassion on the widow. He saw her tears, so he raised her son from the dead. He ministered to Nicodemus and to the woman at the well and the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. He ministered one-on-one -on -one to Jairus and to the centurion soldier, to the rich young ruler, to the leper, to the blind man at the gate, and to the possessed man at the gatherings. He wasn't worried about a crowd. All he was worried about was souls and reaching that one that needed him the most. Jesus didn't have to have a pulpit. He didn't care. He preached in the temple. He preached on the hillside. 
He preached in the wilderness. He didn't have to have a crowd. It didn't matter. He preached to 5,000. He preached to 12. He preached to one. It didn't make a difference to him. He didn't have to have a title given to him by man. He knew who he was. He was the healer. He was the comforter. He was the Rose of Sharon. He was the sacrificial lamb. He was the chief shepherd. He was the creator. He was the alpha. He was omega. He was Jehovah Jireh. He was the great I am. And the same thing he was then for those souls is the same thing he is today for souls that are lost. I am God. I will not change. He loosed the captives. He set them free. That's how much that he loves souls. He didn't need accolades. He didn't need somebody saying that was a great message. Come pat me on the back. As a matter of fact, Jesus succumbed to stones being thrown at him. He succumbed to a whipping post. He endured the cross all because of souls. Because he knew that we owed a debt that we could not pay. And in our stead, he paid a debt that he did not owe. Because he loved our souls. He wasn't about impressing the crowd. He wasn't concerned about criticism and fault finding. The disciples, though, they were concerned about power. Are you going to restore the kingdom, they asked. Who's going to sit on your right hand of power? But that's not what he came for. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. These things didn't concern Jesus. Jesus simply came to seek and to save. His number one concern were souls. See how CLC has been promised revival over and 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 over. And you might get the opinion sometimes that a lot of those ministers have talked before they got here. But I am telling you right now, they have not. Because God has promised a revival for CLC. Those promises are coming from the Lord. Harvest has been prophesied time and time and time again over CLC. And I want to help you with prophecy. A word of prophecy is God's intention for the church. It is God saying, this is what I have in mind for CLC. This is what I intend to happen at CLC. But the only way that it will come to pass will depend on how much we, the church, engage ourselves in winning souls. We have to be willing. 
We have to engage ourselves. Pastor is not going to make us do it. The Lord is not going to reach down and knock you off your seat. He's not going to impose his will on you. But I am telling you tonight that his will is that all men come to repentance. And if you want to know what the will of God is for your life, it is that you engage yourself in reaching as many souls as you possibly can and lead them to an altar of repentance and lead them to Walter baptism and stay by their side until you hear them cry, Abba, Father. That is the will of God for the church. If what the prophet Isaiah wrote is true, and hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, then the church ought to enlarge itself and pursue souls like never before. Why would we stand idly by and allow hell to enlarge itself? Hell only has power that we give it. We have the Lord. We have the truth. We have the message. Come on, we have his anointing. He'll give us the words. He'll provide. He'll provide the finances that we need. It should be about souls. On January the 23rd, our pastor made this statement. I refuse to focus on voices without vision. Today, on April the 10th, I would like to tag on to that statement, if it's okay, Pastor. I refuse to focus on voices without a passion for souls. I refuse to focus on voices that don't have vision for the future. And I refuse to focus on voices that don't have a passion for souls and don't understand why we don't need new people. We're big enough. I want to hear voices that say, bring them in. Compel them to come. I'll give up my seat. I'll do whatever I need to do. I want to see souls saved. I stand before you tonight so burdened and desperate for souls that it literally has been consuming my every thought. I have thought about neighbors that I have not reached out to. I can't stop thinking about children and young people that have slipped through my fingers, wondering, did I do enough to reach out to them? I'm convicted over the souls that I have passed by day after day after day as though that there is no urgency and it's no big deal. My heart hurts for the hurting that I didn't reach out to, to the bound that I didn't help to free, to the possessed that I didn't see delivered. I find myself driving through the streets of the city 
being moved with compassion for the lost. I drive throughout our region and the state of Indiana, and I have found myself beginning to weep for a harvest that has been promised to the church. I am determined, like never before, to pursue souls without hesitation, without anything holding me back. I don't want one person that I know to go to hell lost. I'm thankful to be able to stand here today and to tell you that my husband declared some 32 years ago that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I have three amazing sons who are men of God and are preaching in the gospel and three beautiful daughter-in-laws who are full of the Holy Ghost. But guess what? It's not just about me and it's not just about my family. But it's about souls. It's about my friends and my neighbors and my city. It's about those that are lost and don't know God. Let me be moved with compassion. God, give us a burning desire to see souls saved. Lord, give us compassion, Lord. God, give us, Lord, the boldness to reach out, God, to share with those that are lost, Lord, the gospel of your word. Hallelujah. 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 Tonight, I'm calling this church to soul winning. I'm calling this church to evangelize your city. We don't need a group to go out with us. It only takes one. We don't have to go out in a great big group. I love it when we do. I'd love to have about 50 of you walking through my neighborhood with me. But I know and understand that it just takes me. It takes me being willing to go out and to share the gospel and compel them to come. We don't have to have Pastor Dylan put a big team together and lay out a plan. We've done it before, and I hope we do it a thousand more times. And I'll be right in the middle of it. I'm all about blitzing our city as a church. I'll be part of every outreach campaign that we do corporately. But the church, every individual needs to engage in soul winning. I would to God that he would open our eyes. I would that he would open our ears, not to just hear his voice and his directing, but I wish that for one moment we could hear the cry of souls all around us. We're so blind to it, and we're so deaf to it. I wish that the Lord would open us up to understand that there are people all around us that feel like they have no hope. 
they feel like they have nowhere to turn. They feel like that they are trapped in their circumstances. And all the while, we pass them by day after day after day after day. Instead of stopping and recognizing that's a soul. And if they don't hear the gospel from us, who will they hear it from? I know there's a lot of weight to that. But I want you to understand that there will come a day when we stand before the throne. And my greatest fear is that we'll stand there really proud with our family standing around us saying, look what we've done. We made it. Here's my children. Here's my grandchildren. All seven of them coming from Dylan and Kayla. We made it. <laughs> Didn't I do good, Lord? My greatest fear is that he's going to say, well, that's good. But what about all the ones you passed by? What about all the ones you didn't reach to? What about the opportunities that you let slip right through your hands? What about the time that you were sitting in Texas Roadhouse and that waiter or waitress, you look nice tonight. Where did you come from? Oh, thank you. We came from church. So as I was saying, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that we let slip through our hands. Souls are at stake. We are his voice. We are his feet. We are his hands. The burden of souls rests on our shoulders. They rest on my shoulders. They rest on your shoulders. Souls are at stake. I am calling this church to seek the heart of God. I am calling this church to go to prayer and to ask the Lord that he would give you a passion and a love for souls like he had. I'm not foolish enough to believe that I will get 100% participation. Pastor, I wish, but I understand that it's not likely. But what I am looking for is I'm looking for about 105 people in this place that will say, Lord, I want a renewed passion for souls. Pick me. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to pursue. I'm not afraid of the highways. I won't shy away from the hedges. I want to see souls saved for the kingdom of God. Is there anybody in here that that's your heart's desire? You want to see souls saved. I'm not coming to you tonight preaching for hype. I'm not looking for someone to get caught up in the moment. 
I'm not trying to present propaganda that causes everyone to jump on a bandwagon and to go out of here saying, woo, we're going to go after souls. What I am trying to do is I'm trying to get somebody in this place to commit to winning souls. I pray that the burden for souls because, becomes so overwhelming on someone that it's all that you can think about. I hope that someone finds themselves having to pull over on the side of the road when they see somebody on the side of the street that the Lord says, that's a hurting person that you need to minister to you to. On this platform tonight, you see 105 bags. And these 105 bags represent a minimum of 1,000 and 50 souls. Who will take a burden for souls tonight? A thousand and fifty, Pastor, sure sounds like a lot. Can we have a congregation of that size in the city of Frankfurt? Aren't we overshooting just a little bit, Pastor? This isn't a metropolitan area. What makes us think that a church that size could exist in the city of Frankfort, Indiana? I'll tell you what makes me think that it can. 16,000 souls who need the Lord. And all it has to do is start with one that says, I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever that it takes. In each of these bags are 10 invitation cards to Easter Sunday. Let's just start with Easter. I'm not talking about what we're going to do next year. I don't know. Pastor Dylan, I don't know what the plan is. Come up here by me real quick. I don't know what the plan is. That's his ministry, not my ministry. I have no idea. Pastor Dylan, we were trying to figure out Monday, how was it that we were going to be able in such a short amount of time to get a group of people together and to try to go together into this city and to win souls. We couldn't figure out how to do it. But the Lord said, if you can find 105 that don't need everybody else to go with them, but will commit to taking one bag and finding 10 people to say, would you come with me to Easter Sunday? Pastor Dylan, let's just start right there. Let's pack this place out. Let's pack it out. I can't be here. So my seat's available. Anybody else willing to give up their seats for souls? I hope that this place is so packed out that our church people have to line the walls. No problem. That's not my seat. My name's not on it. Well, let's don't talk about that. My name's not on it. I don't reserve the right to sit here. Let a soul take it. Let's pack this place out. All it takes 
is for one to say, I will go. I will do whatever that I can do to reach a soul. You may be saying, well, who do I give them to? And I'm saying to you, let the Spirit lead you. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. When you walk out of this place, pray the prayer, God, lead me. Let me be aware. Let me notice the souls that surround me. You may be saying, when do I pass those out? And I am telling you just to simply go about your day and look for the opportunity. Don't wait for them to come to you. Don't wait for the Lord to say, hey, hey, this is the opportunity. Why don't we look for those opportunities? Because I'm going to tell you, you're presented with opportunities every day. Every day there are opportunities. You may be saying, I don't even know what to say. Come to church with me. Now what? Here's an idea. Share your testimony. Tell them about the goodness of God. Tell them how the Lord saved you. Tell them how the Lord kept you. Tell them how the Lord healed you. Tell them how the Lord saved your marriage and put it back together. Tell them about the lifestyle you used to live and you don't live anymore. Share your opportunity, share your testimony. If you are an overcomer by sharing your testimony, let somebody else be an overcomer by the testimony that you share with them. And above all else, simply share the love of God with them. What can I pray for you about? Can I have your number? Here's my number. Call anytime. Last Sunday, we left, got out of church a little bit early. We drove over to Lafayette to eat at Texas Roadhouse. And when we went pulling up, I don't remember who all, I think it was Evan and Mikkel and Dylan and Kayla were in the car with us. And we looked over to, to the left-hand side. And there was a girl around age 20. She was sitting underneath the tree, sobbing. And I noticed that several people were driving around and they were rolling their windows down. Everything okay? Everything all right? Shake her head, whatever. And they would drive on. We parked, got out of the car. And I looked at Kayla, I think it was, and I said, come on, let's go. And I walked over there. And I knelt down in front of her and I said, what's your name? And I can't remember off the top of my head. I've got it written down. And I said, are you okay? What's, what's going on? Everything okay? She started to pour her heart out to us. Dylan come walking over. I believe Evan come walking over there. I don't remember who all. And we sat there and about the time a young man come walking across. They were having a quarrel. I, I don't really know what all was happening there. And we reached to them. We talked to them, said, God can turn things around. 
can we pray for you? Standing in the middle of the parking lot of Texas Roadhouse in Tippecanoe Mall, we didn't, I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care who thought I was crazy. I didn't care who thought, well, Lord have mercy, what is that old woman doing knelt down there in front of that young girl? I said, can, can we pray for you? And the tears just dripped, and they both shook their heads. We reached out, we took them by the hands, all of us, and we began to pray over them. We could have walked away and said, we did our part. That was good enough. But Dylan said, you need somebody to talk to. My mom does some counseling. Give him your number. And you know what I did? I took out one of our Easter invitations, and I turned it over to the back, and I wrote, Annette Jordan, 765-242-3748. And I handed that to a complete stranger. I haven't heard from her yet, but I believe I will. Because we tried to show the love of God to somebody that was hurting. Walked into a restaurant. What's our waiter's name? Huh? Sean. Is it Sean? We keep getting the same waiter over and over again. Guess what he calls me now? Mama J. Mama J. We've invited him to church. Went in a few weeks ago. He said, I need you to pray for my sister. She's 43 years old, battling cancer. I said, Sean, I'm your person. I know what it's about. I know what it's like. Standing in the middle of Texas Roadhouse, he pulled out his phone. And he called his sister. And he said, I got a woman here. Now, she's renowned in this restaurant, and we call her Mama J, but she needs to talk to you. And I got on the phone. I said, I know you don't know me, and I know this may sound really weird, but I understand that you were battling cancer. I want you to know my testimony. I want you to know what God has done for me. And I prayed with her over the phone. And last Sunday night, I walked in, and Sean greeted us. Mama Jay, guess what? We're going to be there Easter, and I'm bringing my sister with me. <laughs> takes one. Takes one moment. It takes one opportunity. It takes one willing vessel. It takes one time in the presence of the Lord for them to experience what we experience week after week after week. It takes one church to say we don't care what else we do, but whatever that we ever accomplish in this lifetime, if we can just win as souls, if we can win our city, if we can reach our region, then it's all worth it. Because when we get to heaven, the Lord is not going to say, congratulations, you made it all by yourself. But when we stand with the cloud of witnesses, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. If anybody tonight 
wants to respond and wants to be one of 105, please don't grab a bag if you have no intention on passing them out. But if you will commit, and if we don't have enough, we'll get you more. But I believe that the Lord has ordained this moment. And the Lord is getting ready to push us into a season of great harvest. It will be a harvest that this building can not contain. I'm going to say it again until somebody believes me. The harvest that the Lord has for this church will be a harvest that this building can not contain. It's here. It's not coming. Now is the time. God, move on us with compassion for the lost. Lift your hands and respond to the Lord right now. All across the sanctuary, respond to the Lord tonight. Respond to the Lord tonight. Come on, somebody. God's looking for a vessel right now. God's looking for a vessel right now. Come on, there's a holy conviction in this room right now. You just need to say yes to the Lord all across this place. You need to say yes to the Lord. I want to win this. I say yes to winning souls. I say yes to reaching the lost. Whatever you want me to do, I say yes tonight. I want you to take those bags that you have and I want you to hold them real close to your heart with me right now. The pastor, the Bible does say that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and Brother Brandon by the word of our testimony. And there is nothing that happens in our lives on accident. You might have caused it yourself, but there's nothing, nothing that happens in your life on accident. 
I would never, ever want to embarrass anybody in this room tonight. But, Brother Evan, there's people that find themselves in a moment of wanting to quit the church. Brother Jace, there's, there's people in the world that have so much anger in their heart and they don't know how to let it go. Sister Lyric, there's people who are living alternative lifestyles that don't understand that they can live a different way than that. There's people in here who have fought such severe depression and there's people in the world that want to take their very life because they don't see it getting any better than what they're in right now. And they need you because you've been there and you're here now and you got victory from that. But you need to be their example that says, I've been exactly where you are. And there's hope for you. There's hope for you. You can make it. You can live a different life. There's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. And if we listen, if we listen in the Spirit, The world has a voice that's crying out, help me. I need you, help me. I've asked Sister Cheryl to sing a song for us tonight. I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to picture the world singing this to you tonight. Can you 
I'm calling out. 